podcast. Boom. What's up, people? Welcome to Creative Theory Podcast, a show that brings you conversations with visual artists about how they got to where they got, what their day-to-day is like, what their struggles are, thoughts in the art world, and a lot, a lot more. Today, uh, very honored to have this uh, designer, Canadian artist, who also does a lot of work with interior designers and brands, also an uh, active participant of Canadian art scene. Zoe Pollack, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I know you're extremely busy and uh, welcome back to Vancouver. Thank you. It's a real pleasure to be back in this city, so I'm, I'm thankful. Do you, were you originally from here or no? Yeah, yeah, I am. I was raised in a suburb of Vancouver and just spent the last four years working and living in Montreal and it feels really good to be back home. What was the reason to go to Montreal? We wanted to go to Montreal because uh, we wanted to have an adventure. You're an artist, so yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> have some fun, and we wanted our kids to learn French. Our kids are 10 and 12 now, so four years ago they were a little bit younger, perfect ages. We figured to learn a new language and, and just uh, have a good time. I had gone to Concordia for two years, so I was excited to revisit the city as an adult. Wow, so you braved the travels with the kids as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was yeah. good. That's amazing, very ambitious. Yeah. And, and then in having experienced that also, what is the, then the reason to come back? Well, I, I mean, initially our son was having trouble uh, studying in French. <laughs> It's a difficult language, so it got more challenging as the years went on. And uh, also, you know, my parents are here and to have that support, and it, I felt it was time to come home. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and then... Uh, As far as art practice goes, do you think, how, how different will it be? Uh, what do you anticipate as far as changes go in artistic practice, having been in Montreal and now being back? Yeah, I guess that was also one of the main reasons for returning was that mm-hmm. I was coming back. I was flying back here every six to eight weeks uh, to see clients and to work in van- my Vancouver studio. And so in a Vancouver studio. And um, so now... Uh, I'm in the place where you know my work is most popular and I'm most well known so it, it's it's a lot smoother sometimes you just have to go with the flow and go where things are good yeah, and uh, people know my name here and and the response to my being home already has just been incredible so it's I kind of had a feeling that that was it was time I'm very happy to hear it because when I found out about you I remember reading about you and that you were between Vancouver and Montreal and I, I yeah very much wondered what does how the structure occurred but it seems like yeah. it's family and art basically there's combining. something yeah then i mean we'll we'll probably talk about this because mm-hmm. i know it's a topic that you're passionate about but yeah. I, i think it's also important to build the community that you're in and a lot of people leave vancouver yeah. and so oh, I, yeah. i wasn't super i had to do what i had to do but i also wasn't super proud of that decision in some ways and I believe in making this city a uh, better place and a culturally more interesting so i'm here to contribute to that so Uh, I love it. I appreciate it. Actually, <laughs> one of my like one of my earlier questions that I wrote down is that do you plan to contribute to the local art scene? Yeah. And I, I know you have been, but especially now that you're going to be here full time, is it, it sounds like that is a conscious plan. Yeah, that's yeah. always. I always make a concerted effort to contribute to whatever community that I'm a part of, um, but especially the arts and entrepreneur entrepreneurial community of Vancouver. Mm-hmm. It's very important to me and. I spend a concentrated, concerted amount of effort and energy focusing on what the needs are and how I can um, best use any gift that I have, uh, any experience that I have to contribute. 
Yeah. And you still have the time for it? I make the time for it. You I, get gen I generosity you is built into the business plan. It's not something we do later. <laughs> you have to. How many people build generosity into their business plan? <laughs> when you build a business, that's one of the things on there. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it, you would never get to it. No, it's uh, it's definitely, that's it's very, very important. So I prioritize that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also wanted to know, I mean, actually, we'll, we'll get into balance overall, but... Uh, when you, well, whether you're going to be in Montreal or Vancouver, how, how much time do you think you're going to be spending or were spending trying to be part of the art scene while making art? Because I feel like, mm -hmm. I mean, if you start going to all the art shows and all the events, it's, I personally find that then you're, that time's got to go from somewhere. And yeah. it's got to be even harder for you because you also have kids. So Yeah. Yeah, evenings and weekends are pretty precious to me, uh, to our family. And so I... I, th I would say I'd, I would attend events, of course, if they were close to your friends. And if the work was really, really, really interesting to me, of course, I would prioritize that. And, uh, you know, I never miss, for example, if, if Rennie's having an interesting show here, I won't miss that because mm -hmm. I think it's a very unique opportunity to see stuff that you can't always see. You know, once oh the, yeah. you know, you, you, we've all seen an exhibition thinking, oh my gosh, once this comes down, mm -hmm. it either travels around or goes into the archives or is you know kept away so you may not ever see it again exactly it's yeah. a it's a very very special thing and I, i you know i aim to prioritize those kinds of things for sure especially when shows are set up in a way where there's a component beyond just a work on the walls yes. where it, whether it's interactive or there's installation right yeah i mean I, it seems to be so key to it yeah, yeah. yeah. i do want to talk about yourself and whether you plan to do uh, art shows in the future here as well but uh, before we keep going i want to make sure to uh, for people If you want to check out your work, uh, zoepollock.com, Z-O-E-P-A-W-L-A-K, and also on Instagram, Zoe Pollock. And uh, the reason I do want to talk about your work, it seems like you've done this from what looked like a really cool transition from figurative to then abstract, but, and then it's almost like you're writing that fine line. Is that mm -hmm. something that you do consciously? Yeah, for sure. I think that as the when when I was younger, I attended Langley Fine Arts uh, School from grade 10, 11, and 12, and there was a real concentration on technique and learning the craft, which I'm very proud of and very very thankful for. So you know, uh, I went on to continue to study the nude, for example, for over a decade rigorously, and in my spare time, like as a hobby, I would go and do that instead of say going to the bar. Or going and doing something else so I really made an effort in in the beginning of my time learning how to be an artist really learning how to draw mm -hmm. and that's super important and from that place I've come to abstraction and come to kind of undo things a little bit but it's very important to me that that I first knew how to yeah, yeah. put everything together yeah I was so happy to see it because uh, myself as well uh, as well live drawing was the just a huge part of learning especially in the beginning and it seems like any tradition if you ever go to a traditional uh art school live yes. drawing is always going to be there and unfortunately sometimes it doesn't feel like it may even be enough because no. I, i don't know if you speak with students who are studying at the moment at certain schools and sometimes they just get one semester and you're done yeah that's nothing <laughs> yeah definitely and then i think to what you said as well live drawing is basically helps in everything like no matter what kind of art you do yeah i was just yeah. with one of my teachers one of my older teachers yesterday and we were talking about how if you know how to see if you can learn how to see 
then you can learn how to draw. And you, so you know, you're not drawing hands, you're just drawing what you're seeing. And so when you're able to translate that, then you have a greater capacity to take whatever emotional or experiential um, you know, experiences happen to you and translate that into the work. But without the capacity to, to first see and be able to record that, you really have less tools in your toolbox. So you can't, in my opinion, you, you're not in the best position to say as much. Mm-hmm. And then the difficult part is knowing when to start making a translation from do drawing what you see to then allowing yourself mm-hmm. to be like interpreting it. Yes. I, I yeah. The way you see it, but you know that's where I guess style comes in and personality. Um, do you know when that happened for you? Do you remember? Well, I think we have these like natural tendances or like a tendency. So if you think about, say, a singer, you, there's a certain range that your voice can move in mm-hmm. most comfortably. And so uh, your teachers would kind of ask you to to stay within that realm. And then they would challenge you once they feel you're strong enough, they would challenge you to move out of that and kind of go into falsetto or go mm-hmm. move among that range. And so I think good teachers provide you with both the skills within, you know, your your abilities, your best abilities and your capacities, and then also push mm-hmm. you further. And so, you know, I definitely had teachers that pushed me way beyond what I felt comfortable doing mm-hmm. um, and probably too early on. It, you know, I was too <laughs> young to really know what I was even yeah, wanting yeah. to say or how I wanted to experiment. But um, it's definitely helped me in the later years. So, so it sounds like you did have really good teachers. I Is had a handful of good teachers. I mean, I will. I'm, I, I, I go and speak at universities, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fairly um, I'm around young people. Uh, you know, in that system, and for example, any of the staff that have worked for me or young people that have worked for me, they had just come out of art school. So I'm um, well aware of the shortcomings of art schools, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I think to know where their shortcomings are, where th- you know where you kind of have to fill in. For example, if there's not enough figure drawing classes, you have to go out and find your mm-hmm. own. Um, there's a lot of ways in which art school doesn't doesn't cover everything. It doesn't have mm-hmm. the capacity to, and that you have to fill in your own learning. Okay, I, I think I'm going to do a little jump here because you brought this up as uh, we had lunch on Friday and you mentioned to me that you like business and art yeah. at the same time. And I thought it was so rare. And uh, I'm, see, I imagine you're very good at business because, I mean, look at all the things you're doing uh, for people who don't know what's I mean, it's from, like you mentioned, working with interior designers. You recently had a sculpture made and then yeah. rug collection. It's incredible. And so, but having, uh, so what you're saying about schools, I guess I'm leading, but have you noticed that business is not very much taught in the art schools? <laughs> Most often when I speak at a university, I'm the first person who has spoken to those young people about money. Wow. And so <laughs> when and if they have had something that within the school they call a professional practice class, often it's brief. And it also covers a few topics like how to do your taxes, how to apply for grants and how to get into galleries. And so if you want to operate outside of the gallery system, for example, or you want to learn how to grow your Instagram or you want to learn how to, you know, paint crazy things, uh, you know, cats on skateboards and how to (laughs) learn how to sell those in Japan, you need to have other people around you who can teach you about business and what's possible. So, yes, I've, I've definitely made an effort to be present in that way around any young people who are hungry to learn that because the young people are changing and shifting so much faster as fast as the world is going around them and the schools remain the same in terms of that curriculum around business. Very unfortunately, I think I guess any big institution it's a lot harder to make drastic changes, right? Unless you really yeah. start over, but yeah. you can't. And then I think 
the gallery scene being so con- uh, just competitive. Yeah. Most artists, when they get out of school, if they plan to go into the fine art realm, they'll just have to figure it out yeah. some other way, right? Yeah, and there's a gap missing between what I've noticed uh, after school and before the professional world. Mm-hmm. And so that's where places like we both know Thrive Studios, mm-hmm. where they're supporting artists, for example, in those spaces. And that time is really, really formative. And yet a lot of young artists find themselves very much alone. So let's say they can get into a studio and they do have some paints and they have a little bit of drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're often discouraged at some point along that journey and feel that they don't have enough support. It's very difficult, especially mm-hmm. because the art practice is so solo and yeah. lonely from yeah. to start with, right? Yeah. And if nobody accepts you, which I mean, that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a story of art, artist, right? artist life. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, oh, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I kind of made a career out of, um, not believing that sentence and I think that we have a great opportunity in this time to to, to to not believe that and to not ride that and to make our own I make you know make our own way so you For know sure. if, uh, it, yes you know all of the galleries that I applied to when I first got out of school did not accept me and then you know eventually a few years later down the road I found the right one that was a good fit for me so it's just about you know perseverance in that sense is very very important and how do you as we're talking about learning how do you continue to kind of teach and challenge yourself because you're saying good teachers help people uh, help push you and find that voice Uh, yeah how do you manage around that that's a great question i there's two things i do one i hang out with some of the most interesting and intelligent people on planet earth living in this moment (laughs) uh you know i'm very i'm a diehard friend i love being people's friends and at the same time if uh, i find you interesting or uh, that you and I have chemistry or something in common, I mm-hmm. will relentlessly pursue that friendship. And uh, and so I hang out with some great people. I do believe you are the company that you keep. And also I, uh, I actively read, you know, I spend mm-hmm. a lot of time reading and learning. So if there's something missing, if I'm missing information, uh, I don't know a ton about something, then I will study it with a, you know, a focus for a period of time in my life. How do you know what you're missing? Uh, so for example, if uh, <laughs> someone says a lot of big words to me around a certain topic yeah. or something comes up, like we just had that report come out on climate change and I didn't really oh, yeah. understand a lot of the pieces of that, I mm. will make an effort. So I'll say, okay, November, I'm going to kind of study around this or uh, people that I'm around, if they're like, don't you know about this topic or what's going on? Or, you know, if my accountant is explaining something to me and I can't quite understand it, I'll, you know, go and ask her what book to buy and mm-hmm. figure out how to, how to learn around that. And when it comes to artistic practice, when you're talking about learning it sounds like those two are not separated when you're talking about learning and learning what you're missing is that directly connected to what your art and the outcome of it is going to be because um, or are they separate Mm, the way I study if we're talking about studying painting Mm -hmm. uh, for example I will go and make an effort to go and see um, Carrie James Marshall's show in New York Mm -hmm. while I'm there I make you know I will make sure that I see that show and at the same time I'll make sure I see it at Rennie's and then I will study his work and I will I will come to understand you know there's that which I like which is the the impulse of the attraction to something and Mm -hmm. then from that place I'll come to try to try to understand how that person made that and that that to me is like the pursuit of studying painting right you know what what gets you excited and what gets you jacked that's super different for me than studying business for example true student yeah (laughs) all of us no we have to well you you have to be having more uh, some more so than others and you just gotta look up to those people yeah well uh curiosity is the great gift you know and that's i I was given an innate curiosity 
and in the and and I also feed that curiosity. So it's it's both. And then I guess it makes sense. You're an artist. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 all, it all fits. <laughs> <laughs> and at this point, do you know what you like when you're talking about if you you see uh, an artwork? Do you know what it is you're usually drawn to? Oh yeah. yeah? I mean, a, a, I don't know ahead of time. You know, we've all been in through walking through a gallery and been surprised by something that t sort of takes your breath away or starts mm -hmm. to make you cry, or you're like, "What is this thing?" Yeah. You know. And my first experience with that was when I was 18 and I went to London and they had no idea who Rothko was. <laughs> and I walked into that room and there's like I think eight paintings in this massive gray room and just started bawling my face off. And they're just wow. soft, fluffy rectangles. I mean, yeah. they're really not. They weren't about any thing mm -hmm. particularly you know figurative or um, with an exact narrative so I had no idea why I was having this cathartic experience and then I went on to study you know to learn about Rothko and he he claimed that he could have you transcend your body and have wow. the spiritual move through you and that he could do that through color field painting and he was determined and and so studying that after having mm -hmm. had that happen to my body was a, a trippy that's that's yeah, the yeah. trippiest experience because it's non-representational so mm -hmm. that was just what what it just took you know and that and that also that was a very formative moment in the sense that i decided at that point oh i could use this silent medium mm -hmm. to to move people and to share my experiences that was very moving to me i'm really curious in that moment when you saw those pieces whether you know whether it's your inter is it your interpretation that m completes the piece and makes the piece mm -hmm. what it is or was it i mean what you're saying clearly it was his intention to move people but uh, i really often wonder the pieces that are not representational the amount of reaction and interpretation that people can get is so varied mm -hmm. that i wonder yeah how much of your reaction to them was You know what I mean? Like, was it your interpretation, or yeah. did it line up exactly with his intent for those pieces? Yeah, I don't. I don't think that. I mean, there was definitely a dance between him and I. Mm -hmm. th that he yeah, was yeah, dead, yeah. and yeah. I was, <laughs> and I. So there was there was <laughs> something that happened between what yeah. he left me to to witness and see, mm -hmm. and then what I what I felt from that for sure. In the same way that a songwriter would leave us a song, or or a playwright would leave us a play. He was leaving me something to experience, and and yes, in answer, it's a that's a beautiful way to think of it, is that the viewer completes that experience for sure. And I've seen that in my own work. I've seen people move to tears in front of my own work or purchase it because they're so moved, mm -hmm. and they permanently bring that into their home. And it, that's the mo one of the most touching things somebody can do is to acquire something permanently, mm -hmm. and also say thank you, and I see myself in this, and thank you for expressing that, so that I can. I, I can't physically make this myself, mm -hmm. you know, my clients, but they'll say thank you for doing that on my behalf. And at the same time, they're investing in you and they're like supporting your art practice yeah. to keep making that. Yeah. It is really great. I think that's why art shows are so valuable. Yeah. You know, there's definitely many ways to get your work out there these days, but yeah. what the reaction you're talking about and people's experiences with your work, I mean, yeah. you, you won't get it unless, you know, you're at an art show where you're bringing physically a piece to someone, right? Yeah. 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 It's a. Uh, It, being at your own opening is a strange experience in that uh, usually you're sort of done saying what you wanted to say with that body of work. And at the same time, for those who are seeing it, it's their first time experiencing yeah. it. So it's a strange kind of place between, yeah, I made that almost a year ago or, or a couple months ago, but and you're sort of through it and moving on to the next body of work usually. Um, but there's pieces in there that people really, really want to talk about. And mm -hmm. so you have to kind of hold that space for them. That's uh, and. 
when you see people's reactions, especially extreme reactions to pieces you were not expecting to have those people react to, I, I've been thinking about this a lot, whether you leave the door open to that body of work to be completed through the insight that you get from the people who come to the art show. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. what I've been thinking after my last art show, I've noticed, you know, there's really surprisingly really just a couple of pieces that people kept coming yeah. coming up to me and saying you know yeah. uh, can I they loved it or some people want to buy the piece uh, and it's at that point understanding why they liked it and then there's this battle then it's do you do you embrace what people like and, and make money yes or no. <laughs> yeah and, and, you know even uh, sure let's say like even if I'm able to but yeah do you make money with it but be, uh, beyond it is just you know for for the ego for making work that's successful whatever that means clearly yeah. some pieces were and then the difficulty is do you embrace it because then you're letting the public dictate what you make and it doesn't have to be i know i'm phrasing it as a negative thing i don't yeah. think it is yeah. there, it's just how you perceive it and what you do with that information anyways there's no question there but have you found that in your experiences yeah i mean yeah. essentially that's been my uh, there is a question there because it's been my whole <laughs> yeah. entire yeah. practice has been how much do i respond to yeah what's what sort of people are responding to and i and and boxing out in the sense of I've had to be I, I've had to be sort of a pioneer in that space of of saying this is important enough to to carry like if there, if somebody sees something special in something and there's mm -hmm. a thread of something there should I go and pursue it is sort of what I understand you saying yes, yes. and and sort of respond to their um, the appetite that they have for that and you know I've I've done it and I've not done it and throughout the 12 years that I've been making work it's you know, there's not one recipe, but uh, it can be interesting and it can also lead you astray and waste your time. Of course. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's a relationship, right? With yes. The, yeah. With the, with the audience, I guess, with the audience and yourself. And then just understanding what makes a piece successful, right? Yeah. Because the, the way you would study art history and studying some pieces and find out, you know, why this, like, why is Mona Lisa versus everything yeah. else, you know? And then, yeah. And sometimes you don't even get a clear answer, let's be yeah. honest, right? Because yeah. it's all subjective. I've definitely had this experience where, because as you know, so I sell, I, I, about 50% of my income comes from custom work um, for private clients and interior designers, and about 50% of my work is just straight up sold, you know, off my website or through through knowing me or through shows. And all that to say that um, of the work that I just straight up make that people purchase, um, once upon a time there was this, my most liked photograph on Instagram, my most liked painting, mm -hmm. you know, it sold within a few minutes, let's say, that's very rare. But uh, it sold right away and it left my studio. And there was information in that painting that I needed in order to make the next <laughs> yeah. pieces, right? Mm -hmm. so, so I did myself a disservice by something being sold so quickly. You mm. know, artists might be like, oh, that's like the best case scenario. Yeah, for sure. But it left the studio and then I didn't have the sort of soul of that and the information from that to go on to make the next body work. And I know it was very detrimental mm. at this important moment where I was kind of shifting into this body of figurative work that could have been well served to have had that other piece around that's a pretty interesting lesson so you must have been in a time of uh, exploration of, uh, yes yeah and then exactly. playing around i guess yes, at that time exactly yeah. yeah it's really hard to harness uh sometimes you have to really analyze it right yeah. what happens yeah and it, and it seems like at least especially in your later work there seems to be a lot of sense of play uh, yes, the way you, and you, you work with oil so uh, i'm sure you do uh, like it allows you to move the paint around for quite a long time and yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. And I, I mean, the more you get to know your medium, whatever it is, if you've been doing something for 12 years, you know how to, if you're a dancer, you know how to move your body yeah. in a certain way. So you can kind of step into different, um, you have a, a greater capacity to step into different ways of moving, uh, that look to everybody like their freedom, but it's actually come from a lot of training, right? It's like mm -hmm. rigorous training. And now I can kind of play more, yeah. um, but it's active and it's conscious and it's sort of, um, and I can also, you know, time and money afford you the space to play as well. Let's mm -hmm. be honest. Like yeah, it's, a it's a privilege. A leisure time is a privilege. And so I'm getting a little more of that these days. Very good. And uh, so you mentioned the 50-50 sp split financially. Uh, well, is that your, do you like how it plays? What would be your ideal situation? Uh, well, in my ideal situation, I would... I'd be a singer-songwriter who plays basketball uh, part-time and Love lives it. in L.A. But <laughs> if you're asking within the <laughs> sort of setup that I have going on uh, currently, I, I'm very pleased with what's happening. I would like <laughs> to do, I would like to make more inventory. You know, I think that uh, the custom work is awesome. I love my clients and I have so much fun making it. Um, but I think if I had more time, uh, you know, was able to prioritize more time to have more inventory, I would have a bit more of a successful uh, next season. So that's what I'm focused on in the next little while. Are you actually writing music? I write, yeah. yeah. Write yeah. and sing? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's really that's cool. It's top secret, though. Well, uh, yes, it not, is. Not I'll anymore. I won't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So you're you're a true true artist. Oh, uh, I you, don't know. It's like we talked about uh, during during lunches that I think yeah, when I meet people who are just excited about the art in general as as a way of being is that yeah. you want to pursue all, all these different ways of expressing yourself, right? Cuz that's I guess yeah. that's what it comes down to. And yeah, I I used to play drums. I love music. I I always trying to pick up an instrument, but it's just yeah, because it's art and it's so beautiful and it's so different, right? But yeah. just a different way of expressing yourself. I think also when you're a sensitive soul or you've been, you yourself have been moved by so many mediums, mm, yeah. you know, you yourself have been changed by a certain song or you've been completely, like I, there's books that have completely and entirely changed, like paradigm shifted my life. And so therefore, of course I want to write because I want, I want to, find whatever medium is you know you want to master whatever medium is the best way to say what it mm. is that can move people you know yeah. so it, it gets exciting and it's addictive because it's like you get stoked right because yeah. you can see the capacity for for people's minds to, and hearts to change it's cool oh yeah. and especially once you get past the hurdle of just gaining the skill yeah. because if you're good at one type of art and you switch and you're like oh this is uh, incredibly yeah. hard yeah of I, course i am a very mediocre poet <laughs> wow <laughs> oh, well, there's, there's, there's plenty of time to ten thousand hours yeah uh, and then and then more so right? yeah. and then, and then <laughs> because and that's the thing about looking at the world of art and you never see that n number attached to the piece of work you never you don't know if you see an artwork that was by a person who had forty thousand hours of you know or they had five thousand and maybe yeah. yeah i think what's been uh what might be of interest to you and what's been a bit of a challenge for me lately is i have this phrase written up in my s in my montreal studio and it says i can no longer say everything that i want to say with painting because it is expensive acquired privately and silent hmm. so what happens is that when you start to become honest about what the medium's uh, downfalls or shortcomings are yep it's um it's it's you have to be honest and so one of the challenges for me being sort of a semi somewhat public 
figure in that I mean as much as you can be as a painter mm-hmm. um, people my clients are looking at my Instagram or people are looking to what I'm saying and what I'm thinking about and sometimes some of the struggles that I'm facing with the medium itself or with the business I can't be as open about that so it's all the more important that I have you know colleagues and peers that I'm able to talk to privately about that I guess it's, a, it's just strange how it becomes the more successful you are the less you can talk about yeah because the hardships yeah i try to be fairly open i try to you know i think people appreciate for example on my instagram you know i'm very open for example about the fact that i quit drinking a few years ago and mm-hmm. i'm fairly open um you know mothering isn't always a dream uh, you know <laughs> i'm very open about you know uh I, i'm not super concerned with my own vanity etc so you know i'm i've, I've tried to leave uh, on every platform i try to be as transparent as possible but there's processes that I'm going through professionally and personally that um, are difficult to talk about in the moment because you have to kind of maintain both the value of your work and the continuity of the career mm-hmm. and, and it's and then there's a question of how do you know if this is going to benefit or damage like your reputation by opening up about something right yeah like and do i care right or <laughs> do you, yeah, exactly, yeah. It, 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 you know it you you do pause and you go like it's easy to talk openly about sobriety and and i i had to obviously choose if i was gonna say that and Mm -hmm. the second i opened my mouth about it of course a everybody supported me and b i saw so many people moved by that by my just simply saying you know that Mm -hmm. that's this has been an experience that i've gone through that i wouldn't take that back to change that for the world but uh yeah is there a risk there yeah but then you are the one who has to decide whether or not you care about the you know the the, if what what would anybody think about that and 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 i guess you should yeah yeah i mean we would like to believe that we wouldn't care but i do think that yeah of course we all we all are human and we pause and it's exactly that yeah yeah. but in fact you're showing yourself to be more human publicly because uh, you know you get to choose you get to show whatever you want to show on instagram or whatever you know in public in general yeah and you know you're not going to lie that it's not Artificial is not the right word. It's curated, right? You get yeah. to sh- you, you get to choose what parts of your life you, you show, right? Yeah. And so when you would like reveal a very just a very human aspect yeah. of the like you said sobriety, you know what does that do? Just people get to see you more as a person, basically. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm always curious. Does did that change your artwork? That it reflect back? You know what I will say. I think that um, what what's important what i do know is that artists often underestimate their body like your body is the way that you make the work right Mm -hmm. and so not only is it rigorous and and physical our our job my job is very rigorous and physical i have to lift things and i'm you know at the end of the day i'm very tired it's it's so it's in my best interest to be like fit and strong and 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 that kind of thing but if you think about like a lot of artists I know, for example, um, don't exercise or don't eat well yeah, or or, no. or whatever. And and it's not, you know, it's not here to say, um, you know, that it should be one way or the other. It's just to think about the fact that the work actually phys- moves through your physical body. So it's, you know, it should be maybe considered more often. Oh, oh, and a lot. <laughs> and a lot. <laughs> I completely agree with you. I come from, I work in the, my full time is animation industry and people sit by computers, you yeah. know, it could be 12 hours. Yeah. If it's a, if it's a really like, you know, crunch time and it's, yeah. you're so right. And, and then in the end is just the way you make a living is this thing you're in and this yeah, body. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like in the same, and I know it's not the same as being an athlete, but if you can't imagine an athlete, like, 
not recognizing that, oh, right, this is a body that I use to do this <laughs> thing, right? And it, <laughs> so it, yeah, it helps to important. keep it up and running. Exa yeah, exactly, yeah. right? Like basic maintenance, right? Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then and you definitely, yeah, you, you start recognizing your good and bad days. Uh, and then you, uh, I think, I imagine it comes to everyone at different points of realizing like, wow, this day really sucked. And I'm trying to figure out why, well, you know, because you probably like set all day and just had some terrible yeah. food and just yeah, treated yourself exactly. terrible. Yeah. Well, I think that, um, what I, when, so a lot of young artists or emerging artists will approach me and they're looking for the best, th the most likely best outcome. Right. Mm -hmm. And so often they'll get themselves a studio and they'll get enough money and they'll get the right canvases. And they're <laughs> like very concerned with all these different things. And I, I think often the body is not sort of yeah. thought of as, as important as it should be. Yeah. I wish I had, a, I, I wish I had better memory for these quotes, but, uh, you know, there's just like, there's quotes of how you should keep your, like your body in mind. Yeah. Uh, I'm butchering it. I'll have to look it up in a little bit because yeah. I know, uh, it may have been like Aristotle or something like that speaking about the the importance of keeping the body and the mind mm -hmm. kind of in the best state possible and yeah. pushing yourself to be the best. I'm yeah. I'll look it up. Maybe I'll just post it on Instagram <laughs> later so you can <laughs> hold me. Don't hold me. We're gonna catch yeah. it. <laughs> well, there is a quote that I really like by Flavar, and he says, um, uh, "Be orderly and regularly regular. Be regular and orderly in your life, so that you may be violent and original in your work." So this is sort of Powerful. a yeah, it's yes. a good one. It's yeah. like okay, but I will tell you, having become more recently happy, it is uh, way harder. There's less content to paint about because it's uh, a lot more boring. <laughs> <laughs> See what you're telling me is that drinking helps. Yeah, it yeah. really does. Yeah. Like keep the chaos going for as long as possible. No, is so there something about like being able to be self destructive and be able to like you know like <laughs> have woes and struggle yeah. and longing and lust and all of those things uh, they're great f content for making excellent work so you got to find new ways yeah <laughs> I was gonna say, you got to find new ways to create <laughs> chaos for yourself <laughs> what is it gonna be i refuse to be a cyclone of chaos so i'm not really sure yet but i do know that it's it's a it's really kind of um my friend and I were recently texting the other day about how boring it is being sober <laughs> and just embracing that and admitting it and just really being like finding different ways to, yeah, to kind of stir things up. Yeah. I'm trying to think, yeah, th because it's about the experiences, right? That or just like altered experiences and then you. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. Or altered ways of viewing it. Inebriation is a good way, you know. Okay. Way. Uh, wh and when you say you're sober, are we talking no drugs? You're in the land of marijuana now yeah, yeah well you know no okay, I, got <laughs> I got you you know so i'm just saying you know i run no risk of getting <laughs> addicted to pot because i don't really like it that much okay. but it doesn't mean that i won't partake so i'm just i'm just wondering you know if you're gonna find ways it doesn't really work for me no i mean I'm, I'm not really that interested because i'm so excited about being right here right now yeah, yeah, i yeah, think yeah. that it's so much fun to be in the present moment so there is something really about once you get there, it's yeah. just like the best sunset. It's like, why would you want to go anywhere <laughs> else? You know, I got so, you. Yeah. Do you ever have to slow yourself down if you're so energetic? And yeah, I think people find me obnoxious. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm <laughs> sort of, sort of annoying in my enthusiasm for life. My name literally means life. It means God-given life, and wow. I have this, you know, great like insatiable thirst for life. And so I do have to check myself, but in the same breath i try to kind of keep myself around people who are interested excited by that because i don't want to make myself small just because it's kind of 
annoying yeah, to the person next to me. Of course. So it's gotta, it's like you said, you got to find the right people yeah, to exactly. around you. Yeah. No pressure from your parents giving you that name. Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> 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 she, she's going to do great. <laughs> like, you can do anything you want. I'm like, oh, my God. It's too much pressure. <laughs> it was a lot of pressure, yeah. Was it actually? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it was like, I'm a classic firstborn eldest girl. Okay. And uh, I'm, I'm raising an eldest girl now. She's very powerful. And it's it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of. I try to really. I really make a, a point to not have her sort of feel all of that pressure. But it's it's inevitable. Is there battles? Is there? Yeah, for battles? sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and beautiful battles. And today, I, she just said to me today, you know, my favorite thing about talking with you is you uh, always see things are able to see things from various perspectives. And that's my favorite kind of people to have conversations with. Wow. And she's twelve. So I just was like mic drop you gotta that's take it. all I'm the done. credit for it yeah too. yeah yes. no i <laughs> <laughs> we were talking and then we talked about nature and nurture and, yeah. and about how she's half and half and uh, no i won't take credit for that one she's she's got her own mind she's very strong that's such a mature thing to i say. know she was it was so, so weird she's like i love that's my favorite thing about you uh, adults won't say this kind of stuff i know in fact that's the cause of the problems these <laughs> days is that people just choose to see a thing from one side yeah, totally. well you know you She'll be running seminars next uh, week. She's going to be running something, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I had so many questions. I actually haven't even looked at the... I usually plan it out, but I kind of okay. like how we're All moving right. around. I love it. Yeah. Uh, wait, oh, yeah, before I move on. Were your parents supportive of you pursuing the artwork, uh, the art world? Yes, yeah? every day. Oh, I'm good. Yes, thanks. So thankful for my parents. They they themselves weren't particularly in the arts. My dad is a professor and an educator and a, a writer and aca- academic, and my Mom was the head of um, Parks and Recreation for our community. Oh. And um, so I, I, I have a lot of those uh, tendances, like the tendencies within them that they taught me as well. I see that now when I, because I coach girls basketball and I like to move oh. my body. And there's different ways that my mom's work and my dad's work have definitely come full circle to influence uh, the, the sort of well-rounded life that I have, but not exactly in painting, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, they said I could be anything I wanted, so and supported that. And dr- I mean, the big thing was carpooling me out to Fort Langley <laughs> for grade 10, 11, and 12. That was awesome, and just letting me have the car and driving well, all that way. Worth it. Yeah, for <laughs> sure, for sure. Thanks, mom and dad. Yeah, they're the best. <laughs> they're great. All right, so uh, I guess we'll shift gears a little bit. You got to tell me how how you how you make a bronze sculpture and how you team up to do that. How did, how did that come around, actually? That's a fun question. So my first collaboration was with uh, Jeff Martin, and we made some furniture together. We made a hand-painted credenza. And so uh, Jeff is super skilled at what he does, and I I paint. And so we just you know, sort of put this simple idea together. And then about three years ago, and I enjoyed that process of collaboration very much. And, and I was saying to you the other day at lunch that, to me, collaboration is you know both people being excellent at what they do and then pairing those things together and let's see it it comes from a a question for me of is it is it possible that we could make something even more excellent you know (laughs) and getting super stoked about that and the potential for that outcome and so um i had this idea in my sketchbook about three years ago i was wondering if i could make a bronze drawing and i was going to my clients homes and going to shows all over new york and in la and seeing that there was this what was missing in the market was um, there was a lot of pieces like bronze wall sculpture and mirrors, et cetera, that had these hard surfaces, but they didn't have any sort of femininity 
or organic shapes or vulnerability. And I wanted to know if I could make something that was both powerful and vulnerable at the mm-hmm. same time, and if I could do that in bronze. And so I hired a ceramicist, an amazing woman, and her and I worked together, and she essentially made my drawing out of oil clay, but just raised mm-hmm. off of the board. Wow. And then we had it cast at uh, Foundry in Quebec. And so it was a great pleasure to get to work with these guys in Quebec. Wow. And it's quite a process. It was quite the process, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, that's why it took three years because mm. <laughs> is that what it took? Wow. To yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, well, actually, uh, first, oh yeah, well, I think what you captured, you, you, uh, I g- although it's not vulnerability, well, I think what you managed to capture is you made you're able to make bronze look light and airy. Yes, you know, and then Thank so you. when you're talking about when you s- when you saw the bronze pieces that are just solid, heavy, yes. right, and it seems to you've gotten uh, achieved something opposite, which is great. I think yes. your drawings, especially the the figurative work. I don't remember the yes. name. I really uh, like those because once again, it was, you get a glimpse, you know, it's a hu- human, you know, it's a body yeah. and then you, and then you take it away into abstraction. I thought yeah. it was really cool. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Very, uh, yeah. It looked amazing. I would love to, well, how big is that bronze sculpture? The sculpture, this one is two feet by three feet, but we're going to make some new ones that'll be bigger and it's quite ambitious. I mean, you have to, um, you know, we have a colleague of ours in Chicago named Stephen Hollenbeek, and I had the great pleasure of getting to see his work this summer in Chicago and uh, sort of like a 30-foot piece. I'm, I, I don't remember, but it's very large. It's like the size of a massive wall that a client had purchased. And so, you know, it was made out of something like 36 pieces that <laughs> were then soldered together. So it's, you know, wow. it's you're asking a lot of the foundry. And even in this piece, when you mentioned the, the sort of softness or gentleness of the line, uh, I I really pushed the um, the foundry like the mm-hmm. the gentleman who who actually oversaw making the piece. When I first sent that piece to him, uh, when it was made in oil clay, I was like, "Can you make this?" And I knew it was possible, and he said no right away. And then I worked <laughs> him back. So I, I have this yeah. like capacity, and so, sometimes it comes across as being sort of maybe. Um, bossy or mm. like I don't know what the word would be but I, I really push um, people around me to do the their best work possible mm-hmm. and uh, I know I did that with him I really uh, you know pissed him off because he, I was <laughs> like I think this is possible like keep keep trying or try harder and he, he, he was <laughs> able to do it and then I was like see thanks it we worked did it. you know it worked you got it done, and yeah. he's like well it'll be more expensive and I'm like okay perfect let's yeah. just do it let's make it happen so I think that tenacity has been a real uh, advantage in my career mm-hmm. and and then especially in mediums that I don't understand that well mm-hmm. you know yeah and then how from now that it's complete what what is the is the goal it's not the goal is not for it to be a one-off right no, no. the goal is that people can order them people have mm-hmm. been ordering them so it's like um, but the goal is now I've seen it. I think that's the other thing about collaboration is you, you haven't seen it until it's done, right? So yeah. it was mailed to me and I was literally n- hadn't seen it before, wow. right? So yeah, it's yeah. this idea that you get this thing shipped to you and you're like, oh, well, there it is. This thing I th- <laughs> sort of thought about for years. Mm-hmm. And it either is or isn't in various ways how you thought it would be. And so um, same with my mirrors. I worked with a bunch of people on my mirrors and, and there's things that you want to change. And then you just evolve the work exactly like our practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, except you're not doing it with your own hand. So it requires um, a more uh, concerted effort toward at your communi- with your communication. Mm-hmm. Um, so describing to somebody exactly how you want something yeah. to feel. Um, but I had had practice in that, in that I had uh, worked. So I've released three rug lines, which I guess we can talk about as well. Yeah, but let's do it. Um, but I worked very closely with Ainsley, the, the actual rug designer. So her and I work really closely with each other. We have to communicate and you have to figure out mm-hmm. how to tell people what it is that you're trying to say. So. And then 
one thing I'm very curious is that so a little bit more on the business side of doing this you know whether it's making uh, like you know selling rugs or sculptures how do you mm -hmm. make that part of the business work do you yeah how does that work I don't know um, well I only know I, I I've brought my business up to the point where I can so the business whatever you see online is like me bringing you. it to, you know yeah. it's me bringing it to the best of my capacities mm -hmm and knowledge and, and capabilities but I, I do know I'm well aware now this last year my word my word for this year is partnerships because mm -hmm. I'm well aware that I need someone else or a couple other people to take my career to the next level whether that's galleries or advisors or business partners or investors or whatever it's I need some more insight and so that's another reason yeah. why I'm back in Vancouver as well is to sort of tap into our group of colleagues and peers um, who are functioning at quite a high level and get to have meetings with them and, and, and create time and space so that we can kind of see what's possible next because I can only do so much on my own. And that's what I was going to say. There's only so many hours in a day too, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And you're very ambitious, clearly, so yeah. you need more hours in a day by surrounding yourself with good people. Totally, yeah. <laughs> well, and also that... Um, someone has spent you know 10 or 20 years studying or learning this one thing so why you know it's, it would be their great pleasure to pass that information on right mm -hmm. just as it is for me so it's the same also i think you're the f i think you're the first artist i met who had you said you had staff and you especially you were talking about your space in montreal Could yeah do you mind talking about that yeah no it it's really my pleasure yeah. so in montreal i had the great pleasure of having a 1200 square foot studio which i still <laughs> so good you still have <laughs> it's it it's a large studio this <laughs> is a little thing it's a dream uh, yep. it's a dream and that's why i'm keeping it and nice. it's beautiful and 16 foot ceilings and this really nice view but all that to say that uh it was a beautiful space um part of going to montreal was to get to have that opportunity to get to practice having a practice like that and seeing mm -hmm. if it was something that I actually even wanted and so I had a full-time studio manager at all times and I still have a studio manager here in Vancouver and um, and then we would hire people to according to how busy the practice was so we would have somebody in you know two days a week to do shipping for example or uh, one or two days a week to do bookkeeping wow. or whatever it was that however the business was scaling up we would hire accordingly and so at, at various times we had between it was either myself and whoever was the studio manager uh, so it was always a minimum of two of us and then up to four or five sometimes wow. just depending on what we were doing see that's that's exactly that thing that nobody talks about i think yeah. i mean because yeah. yeah scaling your art practice and business yeah. at the same time yeah yeah yeah. I've never heard of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to have you here to talk well, about it. <laughs> if you if you think about like Andy Warhol's factory, that's mm -hmm. like a, a kind of a funny example or like a really extreme example. Um, and then if you think of uh, the, the easier thing to think about would be any other small business. If you're at exactly, a sock yeah. store and you don't you don't work there every day all by yourself, right? So you you know you hire somebody once you sell enough socks, you start to hire somebody on Thursdays and Fridays to mm -hmm. kind of come in and and work for you, right? So it's just natural yeah. actually the artist brendan mcganity who was here he uh, i remember being in studio with him and seeing how his business was growing because one day there was a person in the studio i didn't know yeah and they're just doing shipments they're yeah. just shipping You're products like, oh, I, was like, I was like yeah dude that's it i'm happy for you Keep building. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah you and have to yeah and it's fun for them. Like I just essentially I created the exact job that I would want to have if I was 25 <laughs> and a half years old living in Montreal. So yeah. well, they were sort of like between 22 to sort of 20, 
25, 26. And it, we had, you know, it was free food. There was food every yeah. Monday. It was <laughs> no bras, like lady wrap yeah. all the time. You could wear your shoes or not. We talked about politics and gender and race and oh, everything that we wanted to, everything that was important to us. And um, it was a really beautiful environment to work in. And I, you know, created that with these humans, which was just awesome. So it's creative in and of itself. Uh, it's amazing, especially speaking like speaking about being surrounded by the the, the right people, or the even just being surrounded by art all day. And yeah, yeah, that, that's really valuable. Versus, yeah, I mean, uh, other jobs you could have picked up that do not contribute to your practice at all. Yeah, right? yeah. and I know that um, for as hard as they work, because they worked very hard, and also there was like a great benefit for them being in that space and being around mm -hmm. not only me but around each other, because they got to learn a lot from each other, and so we would have dinners together, et cetera, and they, they've become friends with each oh. other and, and sort of, we I've, I just would sit there and bask in the glory of how intelligent and incredible <laughs> they are. They really are, we're incredible, incredible young women. And then how do you manage to still keep that space or how does, it, do you plan to be visiting back quite a lot? Yeah, yeah. so I've just, I just, just got back here to Vancouver, mm -hmm. so I'm just experimenting with keeping the space and I don't know that it's gonna be a permanent decision, but um, for example, uh, last week I was there painting by myself and I produced over $20,000 worth of work and I was able to, <laughs> you know, ship things. Nice. So I didn't sell that work necessarily. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. But, but the f I'm just experimenting with keeping it and what that might look like. Mm -hmm. And I also hosted some studio visits with humans from Montreal. So without that space, I wouldn't have been able to have those contacts in and have them kind of come by and see. Yeah. And I, and I just, just got to keep professional i guess yeah. exactly yeah. yeah if there's no space for them to kind of come and see stuff then it's it's tough to kind of be able to grow my markets there and yeah. and it was also it was about growing my markets in toronto and new york as well i spent a, a lot of time in new york over the last four years and that was part of why i was in montreal it was yeah. a, a so much closer <laughs> yeah it was yeah. an it was a very conscious decision yeah. so yeah uh, i was gonna say something oh yeah uh, just to uh, to add to keeping a studio it's because I mean, once you start tre treating yourself as a professional and take this art uh, pursuit professionally as well, I feel like a studio is kind of a must, right? Yeah, it just because sure. when you are meeting clients, it's not just about the painting. I think it's how you repre present yourself, and yeah, yeah, y yeah it seems like it's inevitable, and you kind of have to. It just, I think it kind of sucks that it's so far away from you. Yeah, I know, I know. And we'll see. Like, I might get rid of it and then just have a bigger studio in Vancouver because right yeah, now yeah. I'm in a tiny, tiny, <laughs> tiny, tiny studio in Vancouver. So I'm just like, I, it's the kind of studio you would have if you were like 22 years old. So <laughs> it was funny. I was with a client there yeah. this morning and we're like moving pieces around and trying, we're cramped in this yeah. tiny space. And it's not classy at all. It is not like a lady <laughs> studio. It is, it's a little bit, uh, yeah. So, so we'll see if that can, if I can even sustain that. And, okay. uh, you know make it possible so we'll see i like that you described it it's not a lady studio it was not a lady <laughs> it was not lady things and right now you're working on a giant piece too at the same time it was oh i mean it's done it's that done? was okay. the piece we were moving around all like i'm trying to show this <laughs> client their tiny their little you know 24 by 24 inch piece and i'm moving this eight foot by three <laughs> foot piece like monstrosity and it's taking up the whole studio it's so okay. it's you're yeah. showing off exactly <laughs> yeah it was like what? no i'm trying not to but trying to keep, keep it out of the way like look at the work i'm making right now yeah let me move, move this out of the way yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay, you mentioned New York, so I think that's a natural segue to the gallery and the gallery representation that you have there. I think I wrote it down yeah, somewhere. Yeah, Uprise. Uprise, there, yeah. that's right. How did how did that come around? Or so, how um, once upon a time when I was a young emerging artist, I would submit to anything and everything online. And it was early days for the internet. I don't know if you even remember, but it was 2007 when I first started my career, and it was blogs were just coming out there was no Instagram I didn't have a phone so it was a very 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 different landscape and um, I submitted to uh, everything under the sun like if I always say if, if your name had interior designer in it or on the website at all I submitted to you in 2007 <laughs> for sure and one of the things I submitted to was called buy some damn art um, with by Kate Singleton mm -hmm. and uh, Uprise found my work through her, her blog and ended up or website and then ended up uh, contacting me and and I've been with them for six years well mm -hmm. and so uh, six years must be a pretty great relationship now right yeah it's good yeah. it's good it's uh it's a great relationship they're just they're extremely professional and uh, we have a, a lot in common so yeah mm -hmm. they're great they're wonderful and what kind of structure is, is it do you s send them the work and they have a catalog of your work or is it has it been doing shows how, how yeah how that's a good question mm -hmm. they're a little bit of a less traditional brick and mortar gallery they mm -hmm. have their own space mm -hmm. that's permanent it's a they call it the loft and so they work there um, and there's lots of art there and different um, ways that clients can come by and visit and come and see the works mm -hmm. they do it more on a by appointment only kind of basis and then also they're very active in lots of art shows and fairs so they get okay. down to Miami and they do different shows so they'll bring you know any one of our work around wow. and yeah, they're good. Th that, that's what you expect. I mean, that's what you would want from a gallery, right? Yeah, Where they, they for do sure. do the, the work to yeah, for move sure. your work. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, what people always say, for example, because of course, uh, when I sell my own work, I make 100% of the profit. And with them, it's a 50 50 split. And people are always like, whoa, that's a crazy amount of money to give a gallery. And I'm like, not if you know them and know how hard they're working. And you see, it's like, and they access clients, for example, that I never would. We had, you know, my work photographed in. Carly Kloss's office, for example, in New York. And it's wow. like, I didn't even know who that was. <laughs> and my staff were all excited. And uh, nice. our team was t team was stoked. So it was, you know, there's fun <laughs> stuff like that that they have access to that I have, A, no interest in, and B, even if I did, no capacity to kind of yeah. reach those that wealthy or, or just like kind of high profile client. I guess it's exactly that. If they're reaching people that you wouldn't, then they, then there's why would value. you not? Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly, yeah. And yeah, I want... I wonder how many galleries do do that. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's such a that's where also I feel like this kind of aspect is not talked about enough or, or it always seems to be shrouded in mystery of how yeah. these relationships occur. Yeah, you know it's uh I don't know a ton about the gallery system, but I've hung around with enough artists that are a part of various galleries and the good ones are good and the bad ones aren't <laughs> working that hard. There you go. Yeah. Right? And the other thing is is that it's but the shrouded in mystery is a good point because sometimes it you have to it takes time it takes years to get inside of a gallery and of then course. go wait a minute this isn't this person isn't hustling my work or this person isn't you know have my best interests in mind and so never mind any sort of like shady behavior um that happens which it does like as an artist not getting paid um which happened recently to a friend of mine he had to oh sue wow. his gallery in montreal and you know there's there's all sorts of situations like that happening but even even best case scenario when the artist is in what's so-called so quote-unquote a good relationship with their gallery they the gallery has like sometimes 30 or 40 artists on their roster mm -hmm. and it, they're not always hustling your work so yeah. you do have to make your own efforts to 
to sell your own work and yeah, and, I guess and, and just raise your name i guess is yeah. the and in the end you got to keep in mind that it's a business right so i think 100 that's it's easy to forget but it's i think that is why people do get in and don't get in because yeah. in the end it's just will the product move yeah. it's un- unfortunately or fortunately that's just how it goes i think that the other thing is is like that once you're in even like I, this isn't saying anything negative about my gallery but they will get the best piece for their client mm-hmm. and often that's not mine in both the client's opinion and their opinion mm-hmm. and that's fine that's natural and normal but just remembering that like once you're in it's not like a free paycheck every month right it's a there's still they're going to do the best that they can with any of the ones that they're able to choose from from the roster and that's a lot a lot a lot of competition yeah. you know and even I within the gallery yeah. itself i guess it's not as glamorous as it seems no basically <laughs> that's what you're saying yeah. and uh, i think it's kind of cool uh, that you do sell across the border it must be also a pretty nice uh, uh, yeah. perk to it yeah I, I like traveling in the u.s and so it's fun to it's fun to go to LA and, and New York and, and that's fun. I, I had a show with Uprise in Dallas a little while ago and so I went to uh, the Rothko Chapel in Houston so I did I did a, the trifecta. I did um, uh, three cities in Texas just because I was down there anyways. So it's fun. I'm wow. able to kind of um, you know take a long layover or try to kind of hustle my way into figuring out how I can uh, travel with my work which has been a great blessing too. Do you make, do you make a point or do you do you try to conch yourself in getting yourself to be different places, travel? Yeah, for sure. You find I, yes. Sorry, go, I was no. going to say, do you find it a benefit to your artwork as well? Or just life? Is it just life? It's beneficial to business, to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, because some of the best of the best are working and living, for example, out of the U.S., lots of the best of the best are working in New York. Mm-hmm. And so when I get to go and hang out with or like see the work over years of like say the egg collective who are our colleagues but also um people that i really admire who have become friends it's like if you show up enough and you know you can build friendships and long-lasting relationships and some of the best of the best are working and living in places that you know you need to go to often if you're mm-hmm. wanting to roll at that level <laughs> and, and would you say then does it mean other people are missing out because they're not in those hubs you know like if you're not in la or new york you're is that would that is that true well i know you have a concentration on vancouver artists for example so we could talk Mm -hmm. more specifically about vancouver and and the question could be for example i come back here with this insight from having gone to new york let's say Mm -hmm. 10 times a year over four years or something like that it's you have this other sense of what's possible Mm -hmm. and how big that could get and and also just rolling with people who are thinking at such a sort of global level um, so you, m- you do miss out, of course, if you don't travel. And in the same breath, there's something about really bunkering down into your own city yeah. and, you know, working hard at where you are that can also get you quite far as well. So mm-hmm. it's, it, they're both good. That's why I, I, I want to, it would be great. And I think I'll, I'll, whatever I can do to, wh- whatever work I can put towards Vancouver to, to make it, that yeah. it is the coolest city yeah. to go to for yeah. art. I would like to do that, and yes. it sounds like you, you, you are doing it, or you, yeah, you have been, and you, you are, and you will be, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. you and I live in a city that has deeply benefited from people doing that before us. So for mm-hmm. the last ten years, people like 
Mark Brand or people like Cause and Effect mm-hmm. or um, who brought, you know, who were sort of spearheaded Pecha Kucha. And there's mm. all these different leaders in our community that were working a decade before our time to make this, to make sure that we could be in this kind of environment that mm-hmm. we're in. Of and course. the Cheaper Show, you know, um, with Graham Berglund. And so there's just different people who have, um, you know, made it, made an effort to make this place way cooler than it definitely way cooler than <laughs> it used to be <laughs> <laughs> there's ways we will yeah, yeah we'll have to well keep working more fun we need to have yeah. more fun find ways to do you think you were exposed to a lot more i don't know like ambition and work ethic when you did visit uh toronto or new york was i exposed yeah, to yeah um well some of the it's just it's just that some people who are that ambitious happen to live there. Basically. So like yeah, Fernando yeah, yeah. Mastrangelo and different people. I mean, they're just, there's lots of talented people here who I get to be around, but they're not, uh, it's just different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to ask if you, although I think you kind of mentioned it, but do you, do you need struggle to make good artwork? I, is that something, because when you're saying even uh, being sober and how, a little bit of chaos was something that well, I guess maybe was benefiting was allowing you to make interesting work and then it's almost like now I guess well you know you name you call it chaos but I wonder if it's also is there's certain struggle gone so then to have something to say mm-hmm. so I should uh, say the question again but yeah do you, do you miss or do you need struggle to create artwork yeah it's a it's a that's right what I'm in right now Mm -hmm. it's a really great question and so the newest body of work that I've made is these vessels and what happened for me was I went down to New York and I saw all of these guys who are are wonderful for the most part wonderful (laughs) humans and uh, they were sort of getting their careers elevated through making these vessels and they were getting into these particular galleries and getting sort of uh, all this notoriety and getting written written about and getting uh, showcased in certain uh, venues and places that I've been trying to get into for years. And so I came home with this sort of frustration, for example, and and then ended up painting these vessels. So what I what I did in order to to use my frustration um, to its best highest potential as I used my mother tongue which is painting and I thought to myself well how can I make the best work possible that's through painting and then I just started painting vessels and Mm -hmm. there was a great response to the work so it was a positive example of how I was able to kind of take this this anger and and flip it onto itself and sort of talk about a topic that I'm interested in which is why are so many men still elevated uh, in the gallery system Mm -hmm. and you know, we have so many women going through art school, at, at, for example, and where are women dropping off and where are female artists not being represented and um, their work being thought of as, say, uh, not saleable, etc. So I'm, I'm always, uh, for my whole career, I've been interested in these questions and have built that into the work that I'm making. So, um, uh, but the, the other question about, so I have a newfound piece Mm-hmm. and I carry that piece around with me now and it's a great blessing but uh, like I mentioned it's also quite boring yeah, <laughs> yeah. so it's uh but you know I'm, I'm just I'm right in the middle of that right now so we'll see you mentioned boring uh, like that's a well, because when life is good and you you're comfortable and yeah things are you know generally great to to find that's why I mentioned struggle is that to find something to speak about I guess you just got uh, you have to get out of yourself where that maybe that struggle is not it's not yeah you anymore but even you speaking about like about anger 
about how the kind of the, the system has been working and even yeah looking at numbers of people and women dropping out but even and then also just artists and how many artists uh, the big topic is paying giant tuitions and then getting nothing out of it yeah. there's there can be a lot of frustration and so when i was asking about struggle it's because uh, myself as well i think it's it's when i'm looking for something to speak about artistically i realized i think my like i'm very 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 fortunate to have life that's pretty good and also yeah. living in canada so when it's yeah yeah so i call it struggle i think there's probably many different ways to call it but it's just something worthy of spending your time and and then putting it out there something that's worthy of time and to speak about right yeah well i think that um we can't force these experiences you know yeah. and um so for example some of the strongest work that i ever made was about um you know the dif the ch uh, th it was a body of work called a break in pace and it was 13 <coughs> pieces that i showed here in vancouver and a lot of that work was about the struggle that i was having um staying m within a monogamous relationship um mm -hmm. having children being a woman and moving your mind and your body in different directions etc so there was these the it, the work was essentially about longing and longing that was coming from the it was honest it was mm -hmm. stuff that was coming from the inside and uh, there was a piece in that um it was also about the struggle that it took me to make this so-called fortune quote unquote and so there was this piece where the woman's face is, looks very destroyed and it's called the um the fortune maker and you know she was this she's this character and there was a big uh, sort of hole cut out of her head and her mm -hmm. face was sort of um had it was abstracted and kind of smushed around and and she had this androgyny to her and mm -hmm. the piece was about the what it cost me to make this fortune mm -hmm. so uh, from the outside i'm perceived to have made made money or made um a living etc and the the destruction and 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 difficulty that that caused me and so all i did was translate what was actually happening to me and told mm -hmm. the truth and if you start with telling the truth then you know people end up uh, very much responding to the work and that that work was very uh, was almost all sold right away and it was um there was a, a great response to the work all that to say that um i'm not in that place anymore so mm -hmm. i'm in a place of peace and happiness and and um yeah just uh, what what you're what i also hear you saying though that i think is is maybe more interesting and maybe where i'm headed in the sense because i'm a bit older as well now is like what do people need to hear you say mm -hmm. because it's not just about me and my own like you know p struggles etc so so-called struggles but what what do I really what does the world need me to say at this moment in time? Mm -hmm. And do I have the capacity to use my um, voice that I've been given and this expansive platform mm -hmm. um, to say something that's actually maybe more important? Mm -hmm. I, uh, I, got, I got too many questions in there. But <laughs> 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 I think where, where I'll have to go is that you I have actually I have a quote from you and I, I thought it was so cool because uh, and your I think uh, approach and how you make your art and the quote goes what's important is that the personal narrative translates so that others understand where I'm coming from the goal is that people feel included and then the work is made from uh, is made for them that nothing is above them or unattainable mm -hmm. I thought it was uh, as an art practice as a way of making art really cool and it sounds that what you're talking about right now is that yeah. it is you're making it for others for the people yeah, yeah. Yeah. The greatest way to honor any gift that you've been given is to use it yeah. and exercise it on behalf of others, right? So it's not ours to hold on to, it's it's ours to give away. And we're just uh, you know, the more and more that I 
lean into being a conduit and a, and a vessel for the gifts that have been given to me, then the more honest the work becomes and the less effort is, is, is evident in the work. And then it's, you're, you're at service of others, which is a mm -hmm. really wonderful way to be in flow. What has, what were the, there must have been a lot, but what were some big changes that happened from that, for that art show you were just describing to now? How is it well, that therapy? Yeah, <laughs> you found balance. It seems like it's. Uh, Did I find balance? I don't. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the word balance, no, but I don't want to. Well, well, because I I run at a hundred and ten percent. You know, if you're if you're 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 parenting and you're completely present, <laughs> or you you're screaming at your kid and then you have to like cr cr cramp cram for an art show and you you know you don't have sex for three weeks because you're trying <laughs> to do something else and then you're completely passionate with your with your lover for a period of time because you're on vacation. Like I don't. N that nothing is ever balanced right mm -hmm. the, the point is that you're trying to make a life and that the the life would have evidence of someone who was concerned with their being you know um, what I'm interested in is my um, expansion benefiting everybody around me so that mm -hmm. they can they also can see themselves expand and be reflected in that do you think there's 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 balance in the chaos. <laughs> <laughs> you just want balance so badly. I, don't know. I, I know. I know it's impossible. I'm, it's one of the things where I, it seems like that we all reach for, but it's just not an, an unattainable, almost like the way, uh, like the contempt and true happiness is just because yeah. it's human nature, I think. But I, I'm curious because yeah, 24 hours in a day, what are you going to do? Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what you're talking about. It's like certain things take priority and, that's it yeah exactly yeah. well you're all in it and you know you've heard this said before but it's true wherever you are you are not a hundred other places right yeah. so it's also <laughs> about being honest with what can actually happen in this period of time so while I was say working passionately working in the Montreal studio I was not parenting I was mm -hmm. not you know responsible to other other things in my life and so it's being very uh, like very honest about your time and where you're spending it but then also, I think in the same breath, not putting, I see women in particular, um, but all of us sort of putting so much pressure on ourselves in terms of um, where we're spending our time and yeah. making this really like, <laughs> it's very serious. <laughs> and I think we also need to just have fun too and go with the flow and, and enjoy like, like what we're doing today. I think we're both doing it out of a place of enjoyment. Mm -hmm. And then also that then there's outcomes, mm -hmm. but it's not outcome first, you know? Yeah still manage to have fun yeah, Ho hopefully exactly. we'll laugh a lot you know? <laughs> it's important I'll, I'll do my best yeah i heard uh, i heard a lot of the, the people that i know and certain co-workers where the artists that i know they're saying how after they had kids they're telling me they they didn't they almost couldn't remember what they're doing with their lives prior to having kids and it's almost like they uh, for the perspective shift and although i think i've asked more men about this than women but where it's almost like they found a new purpose or the artists who do make work it's almost like they're the way they more make work completely changes because it's almost before it was a lot more internal where once they had children they realized it, it just opened them up to be a lot more external and then maybe I, i'm i'm guessing but maybe just more aware for the world and yeah and yeah. How, and what they make at that point and after yeah, yeah. have you f had a similar experience or how was it for you 
Uh, I don't, I, my work, I find my artwork is not super determined by my having had children or not having mm-hmm. had children, except for particular bodies of work where I've made uh, a conscious point of particularly talking about being a mother. And mm-hmm. um, th- even that role is still, I'm. it's still a role I feel like I'm trying on sometimes. I mean, mm-hmm. it's less comfortable than just being myself. And I think that um, adjusting that costume, so to speak, is mm-hmm. not as interesting to me. And um, that said, I I spend a lot of time with a lot of other mothers, and mm-hmm. and I really enjoy the conversations that we have when we're able to be honest about, you know, who our kids are and how that's unfolding and what efforts we're making at <laughs> and where we're failing, etc. And and you know, um, but I don't know if it's changed the exact artwork all that much. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And, uh, yeah, I guess all they do is take all of your time exactly. and money, <laughs> and then you still have, and then you still have to adjust. How do I make this painting quicker? <laughs> well, that's the biggest thing. Is I think okay. Let's let's say one of the, and I'm thankful that you haven't asked this question, and you'll you'll know not to now if it is on your list of <laughs> questions. But um, you know, people, I think there's this romantic notion that artists are just sit around and they're inspired, right? Mm-hmm. So people will be like, oh, what do you make when you're inspired, or oh, yeah. what inspires you, or whatever. And and quite frankly, when you have children, you don't have time to sit around and be inspired. Like I go in the studio when I work mm-hmm. and I make a, you know, um, a certain quantity of work or I have um, outcomes that I want to achieve uh, either for myself or deadlines for my clients. Mm-hmm. Or let's be totally honest. I have I take a 50 percent um, commission, you know, 50 percent from my clients for commissions. And then, you know, if the rent is due at the end of the month, I have to finish the commissions. But I you know, there's a timeline to things. And so I work in a very. I guess a more fast-paced, um, logical mm-hmm. uh, sense uh, than kind of sitting around and waiting to be inspired. And children definitely expedite that uh, <laughs> that like jump to it. You know, you got to do it. They don't bring inspiration to you. Uh, <laughs> 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 I'm inspired. I, I am inspired by my kids almost every day, but it's not it's not in connection to my artwork. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know it's different. in reality, not everything has to feed into the this yeah, bucket of being an yeah, artist kind of thing. Yeah. And in fact, it shouldn't because then you're just kind of boring if all you do is art, really. Yeah. I think there's got to be. But even the conversation you mentioned with your daughter. Yeah. Imagine like, it's such a it's such a cool moment. Imagine yeah. somehow trying to just, I mean, you can use words, but what if yeah. it was a piece of art? I think that's kind of. Yeah. There, uh, there's probably ways, but. Yeah. It just yeah, how you interpret stuff, I guess. I guess uh, I don't know if it's because I'm narcissistic, uh, <laughs> but the the way that I um, interpret though, like what experiences my children give me. So, for example, I'm working on this painting called uh, "The Woman Divided on Two Boats," and so her feet are one foot on either boat, and the boats are obviously heading in in mm-hmm. sort of different directions. And so the the autobiographical part of being a mother is very much about how I've internalized that and mm-hmm. what what I've kind of done with that as a result. Mm-hmm. And even then, it's quite rare. It's not about those external experiences that I have with my kids. Those for me are sound bites, and they're they're <laughs> just fun to talk about. And I, yeah, I yeah. put them in my diary, and they change me. They change me, mm-hmm. and they shift my perspective. Um, I'm more thankful for my life, for example with having had children that's of huge course, uh, super huge yeah. and i'm a better communicator so i was able to be like for example as a boss i'm a better 
way better leader since I've had my children because I know how to, and nothing phases me. You cannot, <laughs> you cannot, unless, yeah, unless you <laughs> puke on me and, you know, <laughs> there's no, you know, it's, the, it's impossible to phase me. And so that's made me a very steady leader, which has really helped my business. <laughs> and it's, it's actually, it's kind of ironic that ha that has come from children. I know. It's, and I mean, the, it's funny. the irony is right there and yeah. nothing else needs to be said. Uh -huh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I got I to gotta keep learning. I, I Honestly, you know, you said uh, <laughs> I didn't ask the question about you being inspired. And I guess being an artist, I completely get it. Because I, if, the, if you think you're waiting for inspiration, you never get anything done, basically. And in fact, I think when you, <laughs> when you talk to people and they tell you that they're, oh, I'm not feeling inspired, so I'm not making work. That's a kind of a sign that they're just on a different, like they're, It's almost like uh, I'm gonna sound arrogant, but it's almost like, it's almost like you don't get it. Uh, it's not gonna. This is yeah. not gonna happen. You just gotta just go there. Just do just make doodles or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I do believe there's a quote that I love by James Austin that says um, um, something: "Chance favors those in motion." Mm. Uh, the notion being that we are the more we're doing, mm -hmm. making work. I've made so much shitty work, but uh, very few people have seen it because mm. they just don't. I don't show it so you know but I've been practicing and so secretly I've made you know one of the reasons people will ask why are you so successful I've made thousands literally thousands <laughs> yeah. more paintings than most people and if you only thought of that as practice regardless of everything else around that all mm -hmm. of the clients and all of the shipping and all of the ideas and all of the this practice of practicing has been my number one you know greatest success am I the best painter in Canada no no, no way but like you know i'm practicing right maybe you're the best it's we subjective don't know. we it's don't subjective. know yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> not for us to say yeah exactly yeah yeah but uh, that's the only, i think that's the separation of like a professional artist versus yeah um, yeah you know, you're right yeah either, yeah it's that reality of you just have to make lots of mistakes to get something yeah, for sure. Good. Uh, yeah. Of, yeah. And also, yeah. I mean, I guess like to be, you know, you were t I think you were avoiding saying it, but to be honest, if you're sitting around waiting for inspiration, it's that's an excuse. It's like sitting exactly, around waiting exactly. to go to the gym. It doesn't that doesn't make any sense. It's <laughs> the sort of the myth falls flat yeah. when you kind of uh, sort of unpack it. It's like that's not really how this is going to work. And I don't know why um, in our industry, we've let, we allow people to get away with that. Cause it's, mm. you wouldn't sit around and just like wait for a building to happen. If you were yeah. an architect, you know, mm -hmm. there's, there's uh, work that you have to put in. So it's <laughs> like, well, I'm not really that interested. Exactly. It's when you apply it to anything else, it doesn't work for some reason for art. It still right, is. Right. Right. Which is why I mentioned loving. I love that, um, Ted talk by, <laughs> Yeah. Elizabeth Gilbert, the the elusive creative genius. It's just so funny and so frank and so kind of does away with all of those dumb Good. myths that yeah. are around. Yeah. Around. Well, because like basically you're not helping anyone. That that myth is just hurting everyone. Yeah. Mm. And and I think and I do go back to it. I think the reason why I like being in the like the fine art and the commercial entertainment art world is that in the entertainment like in the art world you'll never get away with that you're going to show up to work yeah. and say you're waiting yeah. for inspiration you're fired <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think is going to happen and i like i really like the clear-cut yeah, professional way uh, yeah. of it yeah. i understand that yeah i would i would i would definitely um yeah i've kind of kept me on as an employee because i show up to work and i i've put in six days a week so it's like okay i'll keep her you know <laughs> it's like i would hire me uh, there you go great it, and yeah, and I, and I guess the more you work with people, the more I realize the 
uh, like you're talking about whether it's being hardworking or reliable it's it's not everyone unfortunately so well and I also have had the great pleasure of my my clients keep me accountable right they want something delivered on time but also Mm -hmm. I've had the great pleasure of they're they're quite high functioning humans they are you know a doctor or somebody Mm -hmm. you know they're they're doing stuff and they're they have expectations for how things run and um, it's that's been it, you know they sort of say jump this high and so I'm like okay well it's, that's <laughs> what I guess what we're gonna do around here that's the <laughs> practice <laughs> they'll take no excuses yeah no exactly I mean why would they, no yeah. you don't yeah <laughs> I, uh, on another I uh, just uh, I stalk you on Instagram a little bit it's called research because it's a podcast so it's all good right totally. way <laughs> <But> less creepy <laughs> that's right but I uh, one uh, when you talked about actually I think it was about the bronze sculpture you wrote that um, uh, you're paying attention to what's missing in the market mm-hmm. and you often and it says often paired with rigorous and soul-felt studio practice um i thought it was an interesting statement that you mentioned that you do look out there what's in the market how and you know this is uh, pertain to uh, or this is you're talking about a piece that would be it would have multiple versions of it and so you are looking at a larger market not just people looking for a painting um, is that a thought process you often have for design work or is it for all the work that you create there's a few questions within that because (laughs) uh, (laughs) which is which is fine as long as i can keep track of them all but it's uh there's a few things one is there's the process of being in my clients homes so i was say servicing them by they would buy a big beautiful painting for above the couch and then they'd want to spend less money on some drawings for the bathroom so i was like okay i'll make some drawings and so I started to make drawings, for example, and I don't want, I don't make any prints. So for example, my drawings are all original, but they're around 750 each, 750 mm-hmm. Canadian dollars. So they're less expensive than say a $6,000 painting above the couch. And so they should mm-hmm. be. So I would start to look around the home and sort of see what was happening. And in the same breath, there was uh, like, for example, there's not a lot of beautiful handmade rugs by artists. Mm-hmm. When I started making them uh, five years ago, I saw that to to quote that it sort of it was missing in the market mm-hmm. and and at the same time I started I was partnered with this my business partner the Burr brothers on the rugs and they had what I what I was missing and I had what they were missing mm-hmm. and what they were looking for was a young sort of up and coming funky uh, interesting person to design a couple mm-hmm. lines for them and so we together s- sort of look at what's missing in the market and sort of a- end up making that work and it's not forced it's not a force like okay well now we're going to make this because it's obviously mm-hmm. not around um, but it's that there's a curiosity around that particular medium and then when you really look around and you go you know if there is only black cars why don't we start making yeah, some yeah. cars that are different funky colors and, and sort of see see how that goes so it's it comes from a place of curiosity mm-hmm. and uh, I find that to be correlating to just the business of art I think it's yes it, I, I think for in the art world it's often almost uncomfortable that thought of looking for what's missing but yeah. I don't think it should be right just like you're talking you're saying you're the first person to talk about money to the students because yeah. why is it awkward I don't know why it's become so yeah. but so I think so is this thought right like what's missing there well then i'll say something else that's also often perceived as awkward which i think is really important it's it's uh it's also that i was uh intentionally am trying to create passive forms of income Mm -hmm. because i physically am hand making 98 Mm -hmm. of the income that's coming out of my uh, studio and this is not sustainable Mm -hmm. uh it makes me tired and it's also just not smart business you know you're not uh so so i also was making a, a really thoughtful um a concentrated point of looking at ways like whether it's the bronze sculpture or the rugs that i could work with 
with people who are excellent at what they're doing, like our weavers and the foundry, they're excellent at mm-hmm. what they do and taking that excellence and elevating it through design and maintaining that handmade quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not making something like say Gicle prints, which I'm opposed mm-hmm. to and um, looking at that and being like, how can I do this and not have it made by my body, you mm-hmm. know, made by my hand yeah. and just receive a check in the mail, you know? I guess it's uncomfortable because it uh, it does where art has to be so personal. Maybe the uncomfortable part of that conversation is that if you get if it goes too far from the original artist and becomes mm-hmm. kind of loses its soul, because yeah, I mean it's a com- it's a pretty big conversation. But yeah, I guess that's where the uncomfortable part comes in, right? I think that people um, when it's not done well, and there's been so many examples mm-hmm. of it not being done well. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of paint that all with one brush. Mm-hmm. So we say, okay, that's selling out. Right. And whereas if you know me and anyone who knows me and my clients and and, or follows my work, they know that uh, there's a human who is making these as intelligent decisions as she possibly can to have a bronze sculpture look and feel like a drawing and to hire real humans Mm -hmm. to make that is, in my opinion, not selling out. And so, uh, first of all, that conversation is totally boring to me. That word is just like not that interesting. And it's also that um, we're working on a, we're talking about a case by case basis. Of course. And, and also um, that I have, you know, made a, you know, anyone who knows my career knows I've made a real um, mindful choice there mm-hmm. and w- with who I work with. Yeah. Because I am, I've been offered lots of things that I've said no <laughs> to. <laughs> so. Yeah. I think, that, well, there's an honest way of creating uh, work of this type, right? A large type of work uh, where it's, you know, produced uh, as copies but still maintains its integrity is that why you're opposed to prints you said well i just don't want to participate in planned obsolescence as well right Uh, so i don't i don't want to my my priority is that everything that's made out of my studio lasts a lifetime Mm -hmm. or that that's the intention so i think that if you're making any product if there's a spectrum of when things could get thrown away Mm -hmm. having it last forever as your intention is probably the best way to sell things so you're ethical at the same time well i that's my that that is uh, one ethical thing that (laughs) i believe in (laughs) (laughs) just one (laughs) Uh, but uh, just to go back to this conversation all uh, I know so many artists and I think most artists just want to have more time to make their own work and if it means finding a way to uh, create work that can be mass produced maybe not the right word but that can be have multiple copies of so you can have passive income to basically help you make more art we all I think we all want it so it shouldn't be uncomfortable right it's just yeah. I guess in the end it's how you do it and that's why you say it's not black and white yeah sell out or not and I know you don't like that term I don't like it either but yeah yeah it's just well it's like what the other question that could be maybe more interesting or like maybe let's think of somebody making a mural for example and Mm -hmm. if they if it's a black and white line drawing mural for example and they do the design and they get the job themselves and they set it all up and they rent the scaffolding Mm -hmm. and they organize everything and they have someone else like just paint the lines and someone could go to the extent to say that that's not their work because it's not made by their hand it's like the the whether it is or it isn't it's that that argument to me that judgment that mm-hmm. someone might have on that being the artists or not is not that interesting to me 
That's very interesting. <laughs> Is so it interesting? I, I, I think, but, well, I want to know your opinion then. So what do you think... Um, or do you just not bother going to the conversation at all of what is art and what is not and what what is this person's art? Do you think about I that? I don't think, I mean, I think that Banksy's done a great job to get us all thinking about that or Jeff yeah. Koons. I think there's wonderful examples living ex that I, quite, I find quite interesting and delightful and intellectual. I find them quite, like, I, I love that conversation. Mm -hmm. um, but in the same breath, I, I fully admit that it's not for me to say. And I think that... The, them broaching those topics at all is really thrilling it's for you to say your opinion if you want <laughs> <laughs> there, there's that space and just because uh, some, uh, maybe they're getting a reaction and it, it could uh, it can often be a fr uh, like a frust uh, people get frustrated as, as a reaction to certain pieces of art and you know maybe some artists uh uh, we are as artists are a little too serious or pretentious maybe about I, what the I art do. is yeah, yeah, yeah i do think that like if olivolo designs a mural and someone else paints it by yeah. hand like what that is that's completely and entirely in my opinion her work like it's you know it's in this and and maybe that is just bridging it into design so mm -hmm. i know for example my friends who are furniture makers they're not hand making each mm -hmm. item nor would anyone expect them to they have you know 10 12 person shops that are sawing the wood or sanding it by mm -hmm. their own hand but it's their own design so it's the design of the like of the the name of the brand which you know it mm -hmm. takes years to elevate your name to of that course. point so it's like i respect that enough to to think that that's worth respecting in and of mm -hmm. itself maybe the issue then is just making sure you give credit to i think maybe that's maybe that's what it comes down to meaning if uh if there is a you know like if you have a team of 100 working with you and then they say oh i just did it all in one day no, maybe no, no. maybe that's yeah, exactly. maybe that's a problem yeah yeah and i've i've definitely had that challenge before like there's with the rugs we've designed them there it's my ideas and mm -hmm. my own i'm saying move the blue over here and move the gray over there and let's decide to do this more blush and more of this and more that it's completely birthed out of my own mouth out of mm -hmm. my own ideas but there's there's three or four hands on that and then the weavers that are mm -hmm. also you have to pay homage where mm -hmm. you have to give credit where credits due. but you're happy to give credit to those people and i love yeah. it and it's because you pick the like you said the excellent people to work with and i think so this i think I think that's how it should be, right? And yeah. and I'm just kind of I'm I'm guessing maybe the where the frustration can come from, uh, from you know if someone didn't make their work, uh, and yeah, I yeah, don't know. that's a happening a lot right now in our design world, in our little s in our circle yeah. of colleagues and peers that are they're either ripping off or being ripped off, and mm -hmm. um, it's happening and they're getting caught, and it's uh, you know and it's and the, and it's sparking conversation because mm -hmm. uh, if you think about a couch for example there's only so many ways you can design yeah. a couch so that you can sit on it so it often at times looks like people are copying etc like it's easier to kind of um, say that you sort of had to design something a certain way and in the same breath um, I see a lot of designers like not using their own unique mm. you, have a, you have a bright big beautiful mind you can use your own brain and, and not of course sort of steal ideas so yeah. yeah there's lots of that happening in our industry for sure and I think it's because I want to I like to treat this pursuit art world seriously and mm, i think personally if something does bother me it's because i find that it's someone's um making it a joke and that's not wrong at all it's this isn't like mm -hmm. this is me yeah. saying my opinion is just i feel like the the art world the creating art that speaks i i think it's i just love the field i love the artists who yeah. put their whole lives into it and so when someone whether it's ripping off someone or like kind of turns it into a joke while sometimes a great conversation Personally, I feel like 
look at the history of art look at how yeah. incredible it is and if you're just kind of you know spitting on it i don't know yeah, to yeah. Make but this is a to make a well it's yeah, yeah it, it makes a mockery of uh, all of the, mm -hmm. the yeah and, and we those of us who do take it seriously and we we stand on the shoulders of other like for myself i stand on the shoulders of other women who have come before me m more mm -hmm. recently in the, the last couple generations and i take that very seriously mm -hmm. as well and i and i i definitely respect that and uh, i th yeah i think we should and uh, in the end it's just a matter of opinion like who mm -hmm. you care about but mm -hmm. i think that shows a mature artist mm -hmm. anyways i know uh, you have to get out pretty soon so i'll just throw a couple more questions yeah, uh, sure. unfortunately never enough time um uh, <laughs> i did ask you about your ideal lifestyle or ideal situation, I love it. <laughs> a basketball playing uh, <laughs> <a> musician. <laughs> uh, what is uh, what is your happy place? Oh well, I love I love being in my studio. That's yeah. like the cheesiest. I love I love being in my studio. I like writing, praying, uh, thinking, reading. So the studio affords me. I really love yoga, and so the studio, my pr particular studio in Montreal, uh, affords me this all a lot of those things that i love and i love being at the ocean uh swimming oh, yeah. yeah you know you know you <laughs> oh, know yeah. that west coast <laughs> that's life. where you're from it's, yeah, it's in your blood exactly yeah. i'll always jump in so i love it uh you're very ambitious so what's uh, do you make uh what are your tell me some of your ambitious plans do you make five ten year goals something no, like that no i just look one year i'm only able to look sort of one year okay in advance and um the next goals are around being more present with my kids i'm noticing how t fast time is going i mentioned mm. they're 10 and 12 and so mm -hmm. my goal is to be all around them a lot more in order to do that i'm gonna have to work more smart mm -hmm. rather more smart more <laughs> smarter <laughs> and uh work less yeah. and make more money so i know that everybody says that but i'm actually kind of in a good spot right now where i could actually that's possible and so um i'm interested in that uh, creatively figuring out how to do that and uh, maximize my time so I can be with them and travel with them. Uh, it's very very exciting. Can't wait to. I'm mm -hmm. I'm curious to see what's next because you got a lot of really really cool. Yeah, work. there's a lot of good things okay, happening. I got the last one for you. What 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 is the advice yeah. you would have given your younger self before you went to post secondary? Post -se before post secondary, well, when we were like twelve. No, 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 just how old were we? Oh, sorry. What like am I uh, like when you went oh, to Oh, college? no, you're right. Am I right? Okay. Well, a young adult. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm thankful for what I, you know, I worked hard. I think I would have quit drinking sooner. That probably would have <laughs> been a good idea. <laughs> what a coulda, shoulda. <laughs> hey, but you said it helped make art, so all good. It was worth it. <laughs> it's a lot of fun times. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. Uh, sweet. That, that's that, that's advice awesome all right. all right well thank you so much i really appreciate you, you. Uh, taking your time it means a lot i'm very happy to yeah have you on here uh i guess tell people how they can find you and your work my name is zoe pollock z-o-e-p-a-w-l-a-k and my instagram is my full name z-o-e-p-a-w-l-a-k and my website the same dot com very nice thank you so much thank you all right my uh, pleasure good people thank you so much for listening i appreciate you all yeah uh, if you want to learn more about creative theory podcasts go to uh, instagram or facebook uh, if you know artists i should speak to let me know otherwise thank you so much for listening and uh talk to you in two weeks <laughs> Bye bye